Well, hi, I'm Ruth Yunker, and I'm a writer and an author. I've written two books about being in Paris on my own. Um, I go there for six weeks, several years, several years in a row. And, and also, my latest book is called Baby, I'm the Boss of Me. I'm a humorist, and I'm now 73, and you know, I found out that, boy, you better have a sense of humor as you get older. And this is my love letter to Chanel. Welcome to Branding Love Letters, exploring the emotions brands evoke and the journeys they take us on. I'm Sam Thurgood, a graphic designer and your host. In each episode, I invite a guest to pick their favourite brand and unpack why it means so much to them. This podcast is a celebration of the branding that informs impacts and inspires us. So, without further ado. I was given a bottle, my first bottle of perfume was given me by my mother when I was 14, and she was very slow to give us grown-up gifts, but she chose Chanel number no. 5, I was 14, we were living in Brussels, Belgium at the time, and Chanel has been emblazoned on my brain ever since. Yeah, you talk about um, your, your your mother and she, she had this kind of wonderfully casual elegance. Tell me more about her and kind of what your memories are of her going back. Well, my mother, um, my mother is Southern and in the United States, the Southern, well, we're all such a mishmash, but Southerners are a breed apart. They're considered much more polite and, you know, old fashioned and white gloves. And we're Catholic. I was raised Catholic. I don't practice anything right now. I'm kind of a spiritual thing, you know, but, you know, mass every Sunday, the hats, the just doing it the right way. But I was born in New England and my father was a very successful corporate exec and we moved a lot. And my Southern mother and my father was Southern. Um managed to somehow give her East Coast, West Coast, European children, we, all of us kind of have that innate politeness. It's one of the first things people say about us. Now at home, we're argumentative and loud and obnoxious, especially when we're younger. But my mother just, uh, she just, as well as being strong and pulled together about it all, she just kind of kept this Southern thing going. I, I think she probably didn't know anything about Gabrielle Chanel herself when she got me the perfume. Because <clears throat> that was back like in 1960, whenever, 63. And um, but she picked that because it was it's a classic, a classic scent. And even then it was a classic scent. And that's how it got that that opened my eyes to, well, perfume growing up, Chanel, the Chanel product, the Chanel design. But my mother was always casually elegant. Like I said, you know, she wore a hat flying for years. We used to get dressed up to go flying. Remember those days? Oh, no, you wouldn't remember those days. Now it's a really nice jogging suit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A onesie. Wow. Okay. So, and, and, and tell me more about that experience of receiving that bottle of Chanel number no. five. What did it, what did it feel like in your hand? Why was it so exciting? 
Well, it was exciting, not so much that what it felt like in my hand, I have to admit, it was just, it was exciting because my, I was the oldest daughter. I have an older brother and then I have, there's three younger sisters and a younger brother. So I paved the way for my sisters all being able to allow to shave their legs, wear stockings, you know, all of that stuff. She was wait until you're older, you know, but uh, when I got that bottle of perfume, that's, that just made me love my mother so much because I realized she was looking at me. Finally, she was sort of saying, all right, all right, with her Southern accent, <laughs> you can grow up a little bit now. You know, and so that's what it meant to me. I, I actually don't even wear perfume anymore. I, you know, I don't like the smell of it left over on my clothes and things like that. Once in a while, kind of an oil, but not, not often. But I have a bottle of Chanel number no. five always. Fascinating. So that was the initial encounter. What kind of kept you interested with this brand as you, as you grew up? Well, oh, as I've grown up, I'm, well, I just adore the fashion, the style. Her Gabrielle Chanel was, as everyone knows, way ahead of her time. I mean, she blew open the world for the way women dressed in the early 20th century and, uh, you know, brought up in the bathing suits. She brought the casual the slacks, the short hair, the tan. I regret the tans I've gotten in the past, but <laughs> uh, what they do to your skin. But she and she was you know, alone. I mean, she had, she always had a man sort of having to help her because, but in that day and age, you know, she was poor and an orphan basically. And, but she was a scrabble. She also happens to be a Leo and I'm a Leo and I, I'm always drawn to people who are Leos. And, uh, but I was just, you know, she was gritty and she kept going and, and she was impressive in her day. As she went along, and of course, that both world wars she benefited from in ways that maybe weren't the best. But again, and I, I say, because I haven't had to deal with that kind of situation where I'm all alone and this is the only way I can survive that I understand. You know, other people could get out, take their families and move out of the country and she was alone. So, I mean, she did always think she needed a man to save her, and maybe in the times that's what she needed. But um, she, you know, she was nefarious during both wars, and I don't, I don't like that. I don't presume to hold it against her because, again, I didn't have to experience it. But then she survived, and then came back in about 1952 or 54 with a, a whole new collection and she was still alive when I began seriously looking at Vogue and reading Vogue magazine and Harper's Bazaar and all that and I was again about 14 and she'd gotten gaunt and but you know she held her shows where she wanted then what impressed me most after that was then she died and there was a long silence and then they hired Carl Lagerfeld to resurrect her, <clears throat> her her brand. And I remember thinking, oh no, because in those days, anytime a brand got a new designer, they just sort of went their own way. There's a certain arrogance in the fashion world that just, you know, my way is, and the new, and just some of it, I, I mean, they, they, okay, but what I'm getting back to, Karl Lagerfeld with his own brilliance kept Chanel's look with his new designs in a way that I remember the time thinking, oh, thank God, and and how amazing. And then I went and looked at his own Karl Lagerfeld. So, so I transferred all my love from Gar Chanel to Lagerfeld, who had the nerve to die a few years ago. Uh, but he kept it going. He kept the knits. He kept the little black dress. And it wasn't the same. It was different. It was modernized. 
And I think Chanel has, the brand has done a fantastic job with that all through the years in everything with their perfume, with everything else they're involved in. But I really pay attention to the perfume and the fashion. I don't own any Chanel, can't afford it, refuse to afford it. I loved her costume jewelry. She, she made that fashionable too. So now, of course, you have very expensive costume jewelry, but here's a, a ring of, oh, pardon the finger, it's on there. <laughs> I'm glad you can't see that. Yeah. Yeah, this isn't a video mean <laughs> Anyway, look at those big old yeah, faces. Yeah, beautiful. Look at those. Fantastic. <laughs> you know, you actually can pull it off. I mean, and I love it. And everybody knows I've got these big old, you know, pearls. that I, And she loved pearls. Pearls are, have always been my favorite. And it probably started with her. And my mother, because she also gave me my first strand of pearls, or my parents, you know, whatever. So it's just, it's it's a lovely style. And, and they show these, at their fashion shows, they show these, you know, the, the models are so young. And they come out wearing these things. They just own it. And every age of women can wear those styles. Maybe you want to lengthen the skirt a little. I don't know. It's up to you. But um it just has made its way into, well, what are we now? So she was designing 100 years ago, and she's the brand is still beautifully current. Very cool. They did a few years ago have Brad Pitt do their first perfume, a male, per, you know, with the one of the perfumes. It was so bad. And I, you know, unfortunately, I am a Brad Pitt fan, you know, you give me a... But, it wasn't, I don't know how well it did, but that didn't exist, but they tried it, you know, I mean, and they just, there's something they've kept the elegance and yet the flair for the modern with respecting what she and brought started. And I feel that part of that is somehow from wherever she is, she's saying, yeah, you do it. You Okay. I like that one. Now the Brad Pitt, no, no, I get a different, maybe Gregory Peck would have been better. <laughs> Yes. And I know that um, you're, you're a Francophile, aren't you? you? You've spent some time in France and, and I wonder whether does does Chanel for some in, in some way kind of represent France to you? And does, is that linked in your story, do you think? Uh, no. The only reason I went to France in the first place, when I, I was back here in the States, and it was a period of my life I suddenly cracked up and thought, I've got to get out of town. <clears throat> I'm going to go for a year. I want to go back to Europe because I, I lived in Europe for three years when I was a teenager and then barely got back. I, I didn't want to. I was so over traveling and traveled all my life and moved a lot and so on. But at this point, I wanted to go over to Europe for six weeks and I wanted to go someplace exotic, Morocco or I don't know where, you know, but certainly not France. First time I went to Paris, I was 12. I was not impressed. <clears throat> I was living in Brussels, upset about it. I wanted to be a teenager back in the States, not in Brussels, Belgium. At the end of that time, I will be forever grateful because living in Europe as a young American was the best thing that ever happened to me. It's best all of us in our family say that, that it just gave us a, an awareness of the world because the United States is a huge country. You never have to leave it, you know, and you're, you're in whole different places. So I went... I chose, but I ended up saying, look, you're going to to myself, you're going to be there for th six weeks. You're, I'm staying in an apartment. I'm going to need to go to the grocery store, the dry cleaner. It would be good to go to a place where you have a smattering of the language. And I had learned French in Belgium with a Belgian accent. Apparently, according to the Parisians, I speak it with a Belgian accent. <laughs> I'm thinking, well, I'm speaking it, aren't I? <laughs> so I said, all right, go to Paris. I was almost embarrassed that I was going to Paris. But I went to Paris, you know, because it's such a cliche. 
And I went to Paris, and by the end of that six weeks, I thought, okay, I see what people like about this place. Even the challenge of it. My second book is titled Paris, I've Grown Accustomed to Your Ways, which is a play on the, you know, My Fair Lady song, I've Grown Accustomed to Your Face, <clears throat> doing things the Parisian way, making a Parisian actually smile at you, you know, or laugh at your joke in your broken Belgian-accented French, you know? <laughs> and once I got over that, you know, having lived so many places in my life, I always am adapting to where the new, I've almost got a PTSD about meeting new, going into a room and immediately assessing it, you know, because even as a kid, being the new kid in the school all the time. So that's why I went to France. It had nothing to do with Chanel, I have to admit. <laughs> with today's guest in a short moment i wanted to just jump in to say thank you thank you for for listening for choosing to listen to this podcast um above all of the other ones that you could be listening to right now and also wanted to say that the podcast is released on the 14th of every month there's a new episode that goes out on the 14th of the month and normally it's just one episode but this month there is more than one episode so do check out what else has been released today um, if you're enjoying this one listen to the others and, um, and and do share the podcast with with friends with family with colleagues with cats and dogs and people in the street that you wander past just you know spread the word about branding love letters okay let's get back to the conversation And when you think about Chanel now, both the person and the brand, what, what emotions does it bring up? I think Gabrielle Chanel herself, for all her toughness, has still got a little of a say in it. and They just continue to do a good job. And it's a clean logo. It's the two Cs, you know. I don't know why it's two Cs, not a G. They probably tried the GC, but figured that would confuse the issue, you know. Is it because uh, is it because uh, her nickname was Coco Coco Chanel? Is that oh, the, that's it, Coco. I was thinking about the Coco part. Repeat, did she even let people call her Coco? That sort of surprises me. Unless it was the man she was sleeping with. <laughs> Maybe. I, well, I think she she designed that logo, didn't she? Herself? Oh, I don't. That I don't know. I did look up on you know like. But what does that that logo for you? What does it kind of represent? How do you how do you perceive it? Well, the two C's, besides the fact that I'm a writer and I'll get into the whole, you know, one C is backwards and stuff like that. And I'm sure you don't want me to go there with it. And it's not quite the infinity thing because they're not. And now that I know it's Coco, I just think it's very pretty. I think mm. it's a very pretty, easy, classic thing to look at. You you know what it is immediately. And some of them, some of them now I, I keep track of the ones I really like, but I like Armani and... Uh, I love Carolyn Herrera and, you know, people like that. Or some that have stopped when they're uh, people or they haven't kept going as well, like a Calvin Klein or a, but I don't want anybody messing with Coco Chanel and Carl Lagerfeld, baby. <laughs> Keep it going on their way of thinking because they had gorgeous, gorgeous designs and intelligence behind their designs. And they designed for the whole woman, every age group while always being showed on the younger models, on the baby models, you know. It, it works. It's, it's, I don't know, it's just, it's great. Yeah. It's kind of timeless, isn't it, in a way? I mean, like, yes. I don't think the logo's changed at all. And it's, there's, you know, there's certain things that just have remained the same. And that's a yes. sign of a really, really strong brand, I think. You're <laughs> able to just appeal to different generations. 
Exactly. I mean, well, my daughter is now 42. She's no child. I, I, I didn't get her Chanel number no. five because I asked her because I knew at 14 she was she had much more what she wanted. And, you know, it wasn't she wasn't waiting around for me to acknowledge that she was older. Generational difference, you know, but she certainly knows Chanel. And and then her own daughter when she turned 16. But perfume is a wonderful, and when you think of it, see, perfume is something that, again, I think fewer and fewer people are wearing. I I, I want to one day look into it because people keep coming out with new brands. But I was in Oslo three years ago, just before the pandemic. And, um, well, anyway, and I was there before I went to Paris. And I was surprised that the women in, Nor in Oslo were still really wearing perfume. You get in an elevator and you could smell the perfume. I kind of miss it. I remember when my mother would come home from a party, she smelled like bourbon, cigarettes, and hers was joy. She wore her perfume was joy. And I loved that scent. But the other day, some one of my sisters gave me something of hers that she knows I like and she's moving, so she gave it to me, but it smelled of her perfume. Yeah. So and it's such it brings back such strong memories, doesn't it? Smell just really your well, you're, yes. you're there straight away. Yes, like when my mother used to travel and my daughter said she did the same thing when I used to travel, I'd go bury my face in her bathrobe in her bathroom until she got home, you know, or, you know, or your dog or your cat, you know, if I find a hair of my grand dog, whom I adore, but doesn't live here on my yoga mat when I open it up, because he does yoga with me when I'm visiting up in Oregon. So it's, yeah, it's, it, it, Coco Chanel, I think, you know, now that I'm thinking, I think, the Chanel thing, maybe I love it so much because it brings up memories of my mother. Mm. So that that's what she chose to give me this. She grew up fairly poor in Louisville, Kentucky. My father was the well-to-do one. She was the poor one. They had to get married in 1943. Oh my God, my mother's, my father's mother had a fit, you know, but they did it. And then he went off to World War II. I mean, when you think about it, in those days, and they survived to become world travelers, raised six kids. And, you know, she... She took it on and gave her oldest daughter Chanel Number no. Five for her first perfume, which she'd probably never heard of when she was living on a farm in Louisville, Kentucky, in 1930s. You know, so I, yeah, maybe it's my mother. Maybe I should start crying. No, I won't do that. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm a mother too, so I can see my mother saying, "Ruth, for God's sake." <laughs> She always said, you say things to people that you don't even mean when I'm trying to be funny or not trying, succeeding with being funny. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, you, you, you talked about, um, you know, the Brad Pitt thing. Have there been any times when it's been quite hard to, to love the brand when it's when it's they've, they've done something, they've put something out and you just disagree with it? You think that was the wrong direction that that didn't quite land? I always feel personally affronted. You know, I always, and that's just me. And I'm sitting here in Los Angeles, California, you know, going through, I've had get my subscription to Vogue magazine since I was 14. In fact, when we moved back from Europe, my father continued to subscribe to the European magazines that I'd left behind, you know, so I've been an addict of the magazine part of it. And I'm, I'm so, you know, in my own little sort of way, I feel like I know it all. And um, how could they, you know, be so blind? Who are the, the 18 to 20 year olds who are actually buying this is what I'm thinking, you know. And Chanel never does that. Even, even Brad Pitt, he was older when he didn't, he did it with a little bit of like, in fact, he says, I just was game, you know, he had to say these kind of pointless, under, not understandable 
supposedly poetic thing about either lost love or new love. You really can't tell, you know. <laughs> so I, I wish they wouldn't do that. But it's like when, say, Instagram or Facebook changes its algorithm <clears throat> and you and I at 73 am like, I'm in the hands of a 17-year-old to 25-year-old who's got that mindset of just poke these buttons and this will make it better. Here's 15 options when you only need one, you know, or I only want to choose one. I'm in a hurry. Don't give me, you know, but I, you know, try to stay abreast with it. Chanel never lets me down. <laughs> how how would you describe Chanel to someone if, they, if they'd never heard of the brand and I you know I imagine there's not many people who have never heard of it. but <laughs> if, if there was someone um who who had never heard of Chanel how would you describe the brand to them I'd first start off with saying I'd say think stars and gold and pink and think femininity but think power the woman who started this brand I would be saying this earnestly maybe to my 10 year old niece, you know, uh, was a strong woman who went right and wrong, made big mistakes, made big pluses, and somehow she put femininity into femininity, and I'm a huge feminist, so don't get me wrong there, <laughs> and I don't even bring up my country right now, but, um, but femininity is, can be so powerful, and Chanel always is that way you may be you're wearing a suit and you may be wearing it may be pink but it's a suit it's got brass and chains on or it's got trousers she brought trousers into women's lives she brought bathing suits into our lives where we could finally go into the water too not just the men so i think when i think of chanel i always go back to gabrielle chanel and if, if anyone, I would say, and if you're curious, sign, read up on her. There's going to be parts where, no, she did not do the right thing, but she was a survivor, and she's a great example to women. Hmm. Ruth, where can people connect with what you're doing and find out more about you? Um, you can get all my, my three books. I have three books. Baby, I'm the Boss of Me is my latest about aging with a sense of humor and um power and curiosity, personal, you know, and by curious, I mean, keeping yourself curious and open to who other people are, not what your own inner child is telling you, although that's very important too. And then the first two books are about traveling solo, and I traveled to Paris, and I stay for long lengths of time, and by now I have a huge social life there when I go, you know, it's, I don't, and so you can get my books on Amazon, and I, I really enjoy Instagram. I only post three or four times a week, not every day, like you're supposed to. And I used to do a lot of Facebook. I'm still on Facebook, but not, much, not as much. And I have a YouTube channel that's been dormant since the beginning. It's called Ruth. It's about aging. And, but it went dormant during the, the um, pandemic. And I'm still playing around with how I'm going to come back with it you know so but i'm i'm on the on social media fantastic and finally um if you were to just write a, a love letter to chanel the brand how would how would you how would you sort of share that letter dear chanel brand <laughs> i want to thank you for being such an important part of my life all my life 
by when I started off getting my first bottle of Chanel Number no. 5 perfume in 1963, 64. And that first whiff of it, such a beautiful, clean scent that you can, that doesn't offend anyone, but just brings you in. And um, by that, that, that opened the door to paying attention to your fashion. Your founder way back, Chanel herself, through Carl Lagerfeld and now the current team. I want to thank you for remaining true to the, your, the original designer's visions and strength and sense of beauty and sense of forward thinking. Thank you. Sincerely, Ruth Younger. <laughs> Well, Ruth, thank you very much for letting us hear your branding love letter. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me and thank you for coming up with this concept. It's very interesting. You've been listening to Branding Love Letters and I've been Sam Thurgood. I'm on a mission. Equip pioneers like you to bring others onto your journey. Come and find out more at www pilgrimage.design Thanks for listening. Oh, and big thanks to Thomas Thurgood for the music. Take it away, Tommy boy.